the most important thing uh, is persistence. And that comes, you know, and a few things work, come into that. I think it's really important to change the way you think about failure and risk. Um, so for example, in the case of failure, I think it's really important to think about failure as a learning experience and not something absolutely horrible, you know, and like have this idea of failing forward. Like, you know, Facebook's um, mission, like kind of internal mission statement used to at least be move fast and break things. It's kind of adopting that kind of philosophy because that way you really learn and improve in the quickest way. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the our podcast, Carl Swanepoel. And uh, Carl uh, always, or grew up always knowing he wanted to start a business. So uh, after high school, went off to university in Yale, or in Wales, not Yale, but Wales, um, and got degrees in uh, AI and robotics, and then uh, graduated and started a business. Um, started, I think, during the last year of the school, and then continued to do that. Uh, has raised a pre-seed round and has continued to grow since then. And uh, with that much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Carl. Yeah, thanks for having me, Devin. Hey, excited to have you here. So, so I just gave a much uh, more condensed version to a, a longer journey. So why don't uh, we uh, rewind and unpack a little bit and tell us a little bit about how your journey got started, kind of growing up, knowing you, you wanted to go into business. Sure. Um, well, when I was 13, I decided that I wanted to be my own boss and that, you know, that's just what I wanted to do. Um, and Basically, ever since then, um, I had, have never changed my mind. So even back then, you know, I kind of started by trying to figure out how to make money online because I was trying to find ways of actually making this happen, knowing that it's no you know, e easy feat to pull off. Um, so I started by freelancing, um, then off, you know, quite quickly realized that the existing freelancing platforms just really weren't working right for freelancers. So I built my own. Um, which I was forced to sell right before my 16th birthday because PayPal doesn't allow under 18-year-olds to have a, <laughs> a PayPal account. Um, I've been involved in a few different uh, sort of businesses and startups since then. But then, as you mentioned, in my final year of university, now, being older than 18. <laughs> rewind just a little bit. One of sure. the, I mean, 13 years old is, I'm not, it's, it's fairly young to decide, hey, from this point on, I want to be in business, right? And great, and I think I'm, I've, by all means, an advocate of it. But at 13 years old, how did you figure out, hey, I want to own my own business or I want to run it? Was it you watch movies, TV shows, family, read a book, had a dream? Kind of what put put you in that direction of, you know, from a, a fairly young age wanting to, to head in that direction? It's a good question. And honestly, I don't really know. The answer is none of the above. Um, my, my family for example, uh, don't do anything remotely related to business or entrepreneurship. They're, they're, they're in academics. Um, so I don't really know. It just kind of came to me. I just thought that, you know, I didn't want to work for someone else. I wanted to work for myself and was very stubborn with that. Uh, so that's what I, you know, have, have always felt. And all the experiences that I picked up along the way just kind of reinforced that this really is the right kind of uh, uh, route for me. 
no makes sense and you know and I, i'm probably a little bit the same way i love uh law but i also love startups and small businesses and if you're to ask me i mean i think there were things around the way that were impactful or kind of reinforced it but what you know what causes that natural drive i think is just you know sometimes it's just inherently you have you find that interesting or you find it uh, is what you you want to enjoy so so you went off to school and you uh studied ai as well as ro robotics and so you know if your intent was is to do a business or start up and kind of go in that direction how did the did did the degree or slot into that or how did the the degree slot into that sure um well i knew i wanted to start a, a technology business so i thought you know i wanted to go to university so um you know i kind of thought either i study business and teach myself the the tech side or vice versa um, but then I, I decided that I would rather study, um, you know, because I've already kind of been teaching myself and experimenting with the business side for quite a few years at that time. Um, I thought it would be better to get kind of a formal education and background in the tech side um, and then, you know, pick up a, a useful skill or two that I can apply to a business that I start. That makes sense. So, so now as you were going through the degree, you know, I, I think you're on your last year of college and you kind of started down the road of building a business while you're wrapping up the degree, but walk us through a little bit. How did you come up with the idea? How did you get it started? What was the idea and kind of what was that uh, process to, to do that as you're uh, finishing up school? Sure. Well, um, you know, first of all, I was older than 18 at that point, so I, I could actually have a PayPal account. <laughs> so that's good. Um, essentially, I uh, was looking at the shifts in remote working um, in, you know, during the pandemic, we were still in the lockdown at the time. And I noticed, you know, that like video calling, for example, now is such an essential part of remote work, whereas before the pandemic, it wasn't so like widely adopted and accepted. Um, but then I realized that, you know, these existing platforms still hadn't changed. They still don't allow video calling, for example. And, um, you know, and I, I just thought that, you know, now was really the time for innovation in the space. So I thought, you know, being older than 18, being uh, allowed to have a PayPal account, I thought mm -hmm. I'd, uh, I'd give it a shot. Um, and that was two and roughly two and a half years ago, just under. Um, yeah. And I've and, uh, been building it ever since. So now one or one question I would, you know, maybe point out or, or ask on is, you know, remote working is increased with the pandemic. It was around before it'll be around after in different forms and fashions and depending on it. So how did you figure out, you know, and so it's, it's a reasonably crowded marketplace you have, you know, I know Philippines is a big one. You have uh, India is another large place with a lot of remote workers and VAs. And then you also have across the U S and depending on kind of your needs, but how did you, how did you figure out or what was kind of the areas that, hey, I can make a difference or impact or is it just simply, hey, I think there's room enough for me too? or kind of how did you go about kind of tackling an industry that was, you know, I'd say reasonably established? Yeah, so there are a few large freelancing platforms, but they all operate in a very similar way. So they all charge a very large commission fee on every piece of work delivered, which can be up to a quarter of the work. And in order to enforce that, because, you know, that is a fairly big chunk, um, they ban you from emailing or video calling or communicating off platform in, in any way, shape or form. Um, so they disrupt your workflow and take a huge bite out of your earnings. Uh, so basically, you know, my approach was, well, why don't we just not charge a commission fee and then we don't have to, um, you know, ban and restrict people's um, communication. 
So now you you do that with the you know with the intent. Okay, a little I would say you know a good way to tackle it. You know if there's a sensitivity to we're getting take a large chunk of the what we're making is going towards a platform then if we can find a way that we can you know is a remote workers can keep a larger portion of that in their pocket definitely makes sense now as you got it or got into that as you launched as you started you know did it take off and you had money rained down from the skies and you you know had uh, more money to more money than you what to do with was it always teetering on the verge of bankruptcy was it a slow growth kind of walk us through as you got that up and going uh, as you're wrapping up college and then graduating how that uh, the the business has progressed so far yeah sure and and before i do you know what i'll just touch on as well is is actually um in my opinion this market is is um, not very saturated at all. I mean, you know, if you look at the big players, it's very uh, easy, uh, definitely, to come to that conclusion. Um, but keep in mind that Fiverr um, has about 4 million users, uh, Upwork has about 16 million, and Freelancer.com has about 60, 60 million. Mm. Um, but there are 1.56 billion freelancers in, in the world. McKinsey predicts that by 2027, more than half of the U.S. workforce will be freelancers. So that's a real big shift going in that direction. And five of themselves actually did a, a little study recently, which found that 71% of Gen Z want to go into freelancing as opposed, as opposed to sort of a traditional nine to five job. So I think there's a lot more to be done in this space. Um, and as for you know, how it's kind of been going so far, I'd say it's 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 been going pretty good. I mean, for the first few months, of course, you know, we were bu building the platform when we first launched it, you know, it was kind of going slow. I think we started with like, a, you know, 100 users, took us a little while to get to, from 100 to 200. Um, but then when we really started figuring out, you know, how to effectively market the platform, we started growing a lot faster. Um, and we've got well over 20,000 users on, on the platform today, um, with a kind of accelerating growth. So yeah, um, I'd say all, all in all, we've been pretty fortunate and, um, you know, on our way to making a difference in the space. Oh, that's awesome. It's uh, great to, you know, get some traction, get the or start to build out the user base and be able to um, address, you know, kind of some uh, needs in the marketplace to, to offer a, a better way for uh, people to re or do remote working is uh, that's where or a lot of people are shifting. So, so now as you kind of come, Um, I can't hear you, unfortunately. Um, hmm. that is a fair question. Hold on. Can you hear me now? Well, hold on. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. All right. So for the listening audience, we had a slight amount of uh, technical glitch and uh, we just tend to leave it in. It shows the natural nature of the conversation. Uh, but uh, what I was saying is, is, you know, and so now if you were to take, um, you know, looking at to kind of where you guys are at today, but then uh, or looking a bit into the future of where things are headed, you know, take the next six to 12 months, kind of where do you see the business headed and what are the, the next steps for you guys? Sure. I mean, well, my long-term goal is to permanently change the freelancing space for the better. Um, you know, I think we are definitely on our way to doing that. But even in six months' time, I think we'll be serving a significantly larger community. Our platform is going to have a lot more um, features that people are, you know, actively asking for. We'll have a bigger team. We'll have secured more funding. So I think in six months, we'll be in a in a really positive place. No, that's awesome. So in other words, uh, 
the short answer to that is we're going to continue to work hard, grow, and uh, continue to expand in the marketplace and uh, and carve out a place for us, and which I think uh, definitely makes sense and is a good direction to head in. So, well, now as we've kind of reached the the present day of your journey and even looking uh, a bit into the future, um, always a great time to transition to the two questions I always ask at the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. Um, so the first question I always like to ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What'd you learn from it? Good question. I'd say worst business decision um, was probably uh, when I was 18, I started a, a you know small web and marketing agency in my local town. That wasn't the worst decision. Um, but alongside that, um, within just a couple of months, uh, I decided that you know I wanted to get this really fancy office on the local high street. Um, and we could just about afford it with the revenue that was coming in. Um, but essentially what it meant, it was a complete vanity metric. You know, we weren't really meeting clients there very much. It, it, it was, you know, I could have just as well um, run it from home for a bit longer until, and given it, you know, reinvested the money. So it grew a bit more. Um, so yeah, it was a complete vanity metric. It meant that we were pretty much at a break even point, whereas otherwise we could have actually been generating something on top of that. Um, so I'd say that was my, probably my, uh, w you know, one of my worst <laughs> business decisions, definitely. Um, but it did actually lead to meeting uh, one of our advisors who built a multi-billion dollar public company who's still an advisor today. And if I hadn't had done that, um, I wouldn't have attracted the attention of the small local newspaper, which means that this, um, you know, advisor of mine now wouldn't have read about it and reached out to me. So that connection would have never been made had it not been for that office. So I think it definitely worked out, but at its core, it was definitely a very stupid decision. You know, and, and sometimes it's hard to, to balance those vanity metrics. And I've seen it with other businesses where, hey, one, it makes you feel like you're successful. And sometimes you can tell yourself, well, we need to represent the world that we, we're successful or that the business is doing well. And so they'll feel more comfortable to investing. And, you know, and I, so I think it's one of those. Oh, and sometimes it's just nice to have nice things around you. And, you know, you don't blame anybody for wanting to have nice things. Um, but I think it's one of those where it's certainly easy early on in the business to justify some of that. But it's one where, you know, can be impactful to business and stop you from growing as quickly or investing in the other areas that may be more impactful. So definitely an easy mistake to lurk or, or to make, but a great one to learn from. Second question now that I like to ask is, so now if you're talking to somebody that's uh, just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? It's a good question. If I had to boil it down to one thing, I'd say that... Um, the most important thing uh, is persistence. And that comes, you know, and a few things work, come into that. I think it's really important to change the way you think about failure and risk. Um, so for example, in the case of failure, I think it's really important to think about failure as a learning experience and not something absolutely horrible, you know, and like have this idea of failing forward. Like, you know, Facebook's um, mission, like kind of internal mission statement used to at least be move fast and break things. It's kind of adopting that kind of philosophy because that way you really learn and improve in the quickest way. Then when it comes to risk, um, obviously, uh, you know, just thinking about things rationally, like, okay, you, tr you try and start a business, maybe it doesn't work out what's really the worst thing that's going to happen? You know, if you just kind of start small, try and build it up, it doesn't work out. 
you're probably going to be just fine, you know? So it's really, you know, it's about framing things in a certain way where you're more likely to, to take and calculated, you know, risks that can really pay off in, in your favor. And if it doesn't work out, it's not really that big of a deal, you know, and you then you can learn from it, from the failure, and then try again and have a much, much better approach. Um, but, you know, one, one final thought on that too. Um, there's a great book uh, called Power by Dr. Jeffrey Pfeffer, who is a professor of... Um, organizational behavior at the University of Stanford. And in this book, he outlines the top seven traits of successful people. And, you know, that kind of determines success. And intelligence is not on the list at all. And the number one trait that he highlighted is grit. So, you know, grit persistence, um, that is is the most important thing. No, and I think that, you know, I, I like you hit on a, a few great things there. And, you know, one of the ones that I, I, I tend to like is, you know, when you're looking at starting a startup or a small business, you know, I, I love it when you do it in uh, college or even high school or at a younger age, because, you know, it gives you the ability to go out, experiment, figure things out, make those mistakes. And yet you're at an, a place in life where you make those mistakes. It's not going to be the end of the world. In other words, when you have a house, a kid's family, and you have a lot more life responsibilities that tend to be a lot more cautious and probably rightly so because your, you know, missteps can be much more impactful. Whereas when, earlier on in your life, you know, you go and you start a business and it doesn't take off in college, you're still getting your degree. You're still able to come out and graduate and get a job. And a lot of times it looks great on a resume anyway. And so I think that, you know, taking those first initial steps, but even later on in life, it doesn't mean you have to abandon all of your work and you have to, you know, dive all in, but even just taking some of those steps of, Hey, I'm going to try this side hustle. I'm going to do this freelancing work. I'm going to try and build out some clientele or pursue something on the side. And then I'll transition over to it. If, or as it works out, I think is a great way to approach it. So. Well, now, as we uh, wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Sure. Well, if you're interested in reaching out to me, um, if you Google my name, Cole Swanepoel, you'll find my my website um, and also my LinkedIn profile. That's probably the best place to, to reach out to me directly. And if you are interested in checking out the Revelancer platform, then just Google Revelancer or go to revelancer.com um, and you'll be able to get started. Awesome. Well, I do definitely encourage people to reach out, support a great uh, business. If you're looking to uh, get or to do some freelancing work, definitely a great uh, platform to check out. And if nothing else, you can uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again uh, for coming on the podcast, Carl, and uh, wish you the er, And with that, you know, now if you, uh, for those that are listeners are out there, if you want to have, uh, be a guest on the podcast and have your own journey to share, we'd love to have you. So let's go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review, helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if you ever need help along your journey with a, with patents, trademarks, or anything else to your startup or your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we are always here to help. Well, thank you again, Carl, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you very much.